The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit voicesofwrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. everybody to Wrestling Omakase. It is episode number 183. Uh, this week I am very pleased to be joined by a returning guest, uh, TJ, the host of the One Wrestling Podcast. Hi TJ. Hey John, what's up? Uh, not much. What's been up with you? I'm guessing not a lot. Yeah, not really. It's the same old, same old since every day is the same nowadays. <laughs> but Locked just... inside our homes forever. Pretty much. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully things get better when sometime next year soon. It's like every single every single episode that has a guest starts this way. It's like ah, you know, hopefully by May of twenty twenty one things will look a little better. But uh, yeah, it sure sucks in the U.S. right now. Uh, I mean, I had uh, on our last Patreon episode yesterday. I had Liam McCann on from the. You know Liam, he's also Super J Cash yeah. And he's, of course, from Australia. And he was like, well, we haven't had a COVID-19 case in uh, over a month. I'm like, well, why do you fucking die? Look at you with your competent government and your island. <laughs> yeah, so I saw him on Twitter. Like, he posted that he's going back to his office for, like, the first time since, like, March or something. And I'm like, that's way off for us, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my... My job like downsized the office because I guess they they figured that this is gonna go on for a while and and also that like uh you know nobody's gonna be in a rush to want to come to the office every day even after things go back a little more to normal but they suddenly started talking about like oh you know like in towards the end of uh like maybe like middle of October they were suddenly like oh maybe people can start coming in more and then all of a sudden things got bad again and it's like well that talk died down very quickly uh. Yes, yeah. our office was kind of doing the same thing. They were making it seem like, oh, maybe people could go back if they if they wanted to. But now it's pretty much for at least until the end of the year, if not longer than that, probably. Yeah. Just working from home, which I don't mind. Yeah, I definitely don't mind. I mean, that's the only... I, I hesitate to say anything's a good thing when, like, so many people are dead and all that. But I, I definitely don't mind uh, working from home, I have to say. Mostly, I, I didn't dislike my office. Mostly just the commute was really bad. 
But, uh, you know, I mean, it's one of these things where it's like, yes, of course I could do my uh, my job that's mostly like replying to emails and writing articles. I could definitely do that at home. It's not like I needed to be in the office to do that. So, uh, you know, but uh... yes, yeah, I'm definitely not going to miss the commute <laughs> this year with all the time around the deal with snow. I'm yeah. going to stay at home and work. I mean, I won't be able to get out of work early just because of snow, but for yeah. the most part, I'm just just be nice to stay at home and not have to drive through all that crap yeah and obviously i I probably couldn't do as much patreon content as uh as i do now which is a little transition here uh so the patreon is at patreon.com slash wrestling omakase of course we're here today to to discuss two tournament shows here the best of the super junior uh night six and the ddt do night three um if you want to hear daily coverage of both those tournaments plus the world tag league uh, it's all up on the Patreon right now for only $5. Um, you know, you get coverage of both the, all three of those tournaments. Um, you know, audio with just me. Uh, also, we did a Patreon-exclusive full episode yesterday with, uh, like I said, Liam McCann, who was a first-time guest. He did a great job. Uh, and he and I broke down two more of these shows on, like, what I call a doubleheader day. So you get all that tournament coverage for only $5. Uh, daily audio is up there for you right now. And we'll continue all the way through the end of the tournament. Uh, of the tournaments, I should say. But you also get, of course, all of our other audio content, all the five matches episodes that are up there now, all the one-match episodes. Uh, I did on all the, the Okada Tanahashi series, the Naito Ishii series, the uh, patron requests, which ended up being awesome. So, you know, if you want to hear, like, a bunch of random stuff, like everything from uh, Kyari Sane slash Hojo's first ever wrestling match was one of them. Um Hey, we did, we did one that was like from the newborn UWF in the late '80s. We did this uh, All Japan versus War tag, uh, or maybe no New Japan versus War. I'm sorry, New Japan versus War tag. We did an All Japan uh, the Triple Crown tournament final right after the All Japan Noah split. I mean, all sorts of stuff. That's you know not even there's even some newer New Japan stuff too. Uh, so there's all sorts of stuff on that series. It was a lot of fun uh, in the month of December. What we're going to start doing, besides the tournament coverage that's going to complete, uh, you know, mostly on the Patreon, uh, we're going to be doing a new one-match series covering every Tokyo Dome main event in order. Um, so that, we're not going to complete that this year. That'll become like an annual tradition that we'll do in December and January until we get through it. But uh, we'll start that this year with the, you know, about one or two of them a week until see how many we can get through. Uh, probably a little after Wrestle Kingdom even, but I don't just say New Japan. I mean, I'm going to do New Japan. But anything else I can find, uh, you know, there's that, that one Joshi company that did a dome show during the middle. I think it's JD Star. He did like a dome show during the middle of a um, like some kind of like modeling convention that, that the parent company was holding at the Tokyo Dome. That I probably won't be able to find because I don't think footage of that exists. But other than that show, I think it's all on tape. So hopefully I can uh, find all of these main events outside the New Japan stuff. Uh, so we'll do all them we can find, all the main events in order. Um, you know, it'll be a good chance to talk about all these different Tokyo Dome shows, and, uh, you know, it'll be a lot of fun. So that'll be coming up in December. Um, the year in review episodes we do every year, um, you know, some of that will be on the Patreon this year. I haven't decided which ones yet. Um, I think for sure if we even bother doing a WWE one, it'll probably be on the Patreon, because people seem to really like it, but, like, I really need to get paid money to do a WWE 2020 year interview, especially if anyone actually wants me to like watch stuff for it. I mean, 
I, I really don't want to do that for free, honestly. So, because um, I bear, I really think I've watched like maybe two hours since Elimination Chamber. Like, I just can't do, you know, um, I can't do the the Thunderdome and the Performance Center. It's just that stuff is completely unwatchable to me. So, you know, if we do a WWE year interview, that would definitely be on the Patreon. Um, maybe one other one too. Maybe Joshi. Maybe other Puro. Maybe DDT. I think New Japan will have to keep on the free feed. But, uh, but yeah, the year interview stuff, that some of that will be on the Patreon. And there will be a patron uh, voting, which I just decided to do recently. So that will go up for December patrons, uh, probably December 1st, where you'll be able to vote in the Omakase Awards. We'll have a separate like patron's choice category. Because people ask me every year uh, that I've done these Omakase Awards for Omakase guests only, uh, you know, how they can vote. And the answer has always been you can't unless you were a guest. You know, that's kind of the point. It was like a closed panel of Omakase guests. But this year, we'll have a patron category. So if you've always wanted to vote in the Omakase Awards, you can join the Patreon in December and get your ballot. So that will be uh, for patrons as well. And if you're a patron and a guest, which uh, is a few people, you can vote twice. <laughs> you can vote in each in the in the uh, guest one and in the patron one. But yeah, so we'll have separate awards for the patrons. So that should be fun. Uh, so all that good stuff is at patreon.com slash wrestling omakase. Only $5 a month. Uh, you know, I think you get more than your $5 worth, if I do say so myself, with the especially during tournaments, because I feel like every goddamn day I'm doing audio. So it's a lot, these tournaments. Uh, but, you know, at least they, give, they keep me busy during this... Uh, endless locked inside my home period so i can't really complain too much uh but yeah that's the patreon plug again patreon.com slash wrestling omakase okay so let's get into these two shows uh we will start out here with the world tag league uh best of super junior tour the best of super junior night six from sunday november 29th in corican uh big picture i think this was the best show of the entire tour so far I don't know if you agree or disagree, but I think this was, like, a really great show. The kind of, like, uh, just top-to-bottom awesome show that they have not had during this tournament this year until now. But this show was, like... I mean, they've really been... The last couple nights have been good, have been pretty damn good. But, like, this this show was, like, I don't know, like, almost close to, like, past years of Super Junior Corkins for me. Yeah, I'll say, I do think it was a really good show, like... I, I think all the shows have kind of been similar in that they're mostly good and then it has like one great match. Usually it's their home match, but you're at least guaranteed one great match a night and this kind of did the same. I think I might have not enjoyed the undercard as much as you did. Yeah, they were to but, me this had two great matches and then one, actually really three great matches. So I guess I'm, yeah, I guess I did like some of the undercard better than you did. So, uh, and the other two matches were both good. Uh, the opener was Satoshi Kojima and Tomoraki Hama defeating Yuji Nagata and Gabriel Kidd. Uh, Kojima pinning Kidd in 752 with a lariat. Uh, listeners on the Patreon will know that I am struggling to come up with things to say about these tag matches every night. Uh, this was another perfectly fine tag match in an endless series of them. Two and three quarters. I think I said that every goddamn show. But, uh, I mean, they're all the same. They're all pretty good. They're all uh, very skippable. I mean, what do you want me to say? Yeah, say I've been skipping the undercard all tour, like all like the opening tag. I've just been trying to just get through all the tournament matches, but uh, it was nice to see the dads after so long because it's been a while since I've seen them really. 
Oh, but I've, that's seen, that, I've uh, seen plenty of dads because I've been watching every one of them. <laughs> but uh, the problem is when Homa is in the ring, my brain kind of just turns off because I couldn't really care much about him since he came back from injury. Yeah, he's and... pretty, he's been pretty brutal. I mean, the, the problem with the, the, these matches, like Homa is kind of bad. Kojima is kind of good. And it's like how good the match is just depends on how long Kojima's in there and how long Homa's not in there. So... Yeah, and I thought uh, Homa was in there a lot longer than I would have liked in this one, but um, I did like the little portion with Nagata and Kojima, and uh, there was, I think it was one spot where uh, Nagata was like setting Kid up for a drop kick off the top that I liked, and uh, the double submission spot they did, like Kid and Nagata did, was pretty cool. But yeah, say if I was doing Starry, it's probably like two and a half, two and three quarters, something like that. Uh, match number two, our first tournament match, Ryusuke Taguchi defeating Yuya Uemura in eleven twenty six with the Oh My and Garenko. Uh, Three and three for Taguchi. Drops Uemura, of course, down to 0 and 6. Uh, first of all, lots of Taguchi towels and shirts being held up in the crowd. He remains very popular with crowds in Japan, no matter what you personally, as the listener, not TJ, uh, think of his uh, ass-related antics. So I do think that's noteworthy to point out. Um, this had some really nice mat wrestling from Taguchi and Uemura to start. Like Both guys were like really scrambling around. Uh, without either able to get a clear advantage, but in a, you know, an entertaining way. And, you know, Urimura rolled Taguchi up out of the, uh, I guess, the Bamaye instead of the Bamaye. I don't know if he, that's what he actually calls it, but that's what I always call it in my brain. Uh, but that was a great near fall. Um, and then we got the another close near fall for Urimura on a beautiful German suplex hold. Um, and then Urimura nearly rolls Taguchi up out of the Dodon which gets some audible gas from the crowd before Taguchi cuts back to his own cradle for a near fall, goes back to the ankle lock, and Urimura finally taps. So this was a damn good opener, I thought. I thought maybe maybe Taguchi finally got tired of uh, everyone saying he was watched now and only interested in doing uh, pull-down-the-trunks comedy spots because I thought he worked super hard here and had a really fun opener with Urimura. So Urimura has been great throughout the entire tournament, so this was uh, easy three-and-a-half stars for me. I thought this was quite good. Yeah, I say I'm a little different from you on this one. Um, one, I'm, this is like the one match Taguchi hasn't had his ass out. Surprisingly, <laughs> yeah, he, but, did, he did put his ass away. But um, yes, yeah, like Umar has been really surprising me this tournament with just how much time and offense he's been getting in on these guys. Like, I figured most of his matches would be like sub ten minutes and be a night off for these guys, but it seems like everyone's trying to bring their best for him, which is really good. And uh, like, like, um, he's really like the standout for the current crop of young lions that are left. I think. So I'm really excited to see more singles matches of him. But uh, Taguchi didn't really do much for me in this one, though. Like, he kind of underwhelmed me this whole tournament. Like, usually he's here and or, uh, people, like, praise him during tournament times. And the rest of the year he's kind of taking the the, day, the uh, night off, seems like. But, yeah, he's kind of just not doing much for me. Like, Umara was really good in this, though. Like, this was different than his uh, previous matches because most of them are, like, uh, straight baby face or uh, young lion fire from the jump. And like you said, this is more like math based to start, which I thought was really nice. But um, yeah, I said I think this was probably the worst Yuya match he's had, like that that I've seen this whole entire tournament. I haven't seen oh, what night was it? The uh, night that had Despi and Romu. I think it was like night four. I think mm-hmm. I haven't seen that night. But yeah, Umar's been really good this whole tournament. But just this match, it wasn't really anything super exciting to me. And uh, yeah, I say probably like three stars, maybe. Two, three, two and three quarters. Yeah, and I don't think I liked it as much as you did. Yeah, apparently not. 
Uh, match number three, El Desperado defeats Doki in 15-23 with a numero dos. So Desperado is now 4-2 and two, and Doki is now 0-6. Oh uh, first of all, there is a very small child dressed up as Doki, uh, even with his own little lead pipe, which was, you know, as Doki was coming out, which was adorable and yet also mildly disturbing. Uh, yeah, I, think very... they, I think that kid's been in the crowd like a, in one of the Cork and Hall shows. Apparently it's the um what the daughter of the or the kid of one of the fans that dresses up as bushy all the time at corkin uh, well she loves doki i guess um desperado meanwhile like practically has entire fucking cheering sections at this point like they, they the, the camera's panning around you could see this whole section of the corkin bleachers all had their desperado towels out and you know that that wasn't the only fans either had the the despy mer- merch around you know um I think that's become one of the biggest uh, disconnects between the Japanese and the Western fan bases where he's clearly the most, like the second most popular junior heavyweight at this point. I I don't really think it's that close. And, you know, he's clearly like a big deal in Japan and Western fans like seem to still treat him as like just a guy. Like I've seen different accounts uh, express surprise at like, you know, that that people think Desperado is a big deal. Like, I, I remember I said something, like, about how, uh, you know, Desperado is big, Hiromu's biggest rival, and I had a guy, I'm not going to say who it is to call him out or anything, but I had a guy reply to me with, like, uh, you know, Hiromu's biggest rival is a mid-card junior. And it's like, well, I mean, first of all, to the extent that all the juniors are mid-card, I guess, <laughs> but, like, it's not like I just said Hiromu's biggest rival is, you know, Doki. I said it was El Desperado, who's, like, a big star in this division. He has the second longest... Uh, junior tag title reign in history and he clearly is the big you know the star of the team i mean he uh is the one of the only guys who beats Hiromu on a regular basis you know pretty much just in the division pretty much just him and ishimori um you know and, and i mean ishimori beat him once so it's probably not even uh he beats him he's beaten him more than once and you know he's he clearly gets a lot of shine and he's clearly very popular so I don't know if he's going to get a junior... Like, a, people people seem to have the disconnect with him because he's never gotten a junior singles reign yet. I don't know if he will or not. But, like, the fact that he was one of those people that got elevated during the summer, you know, when they needed bodies, uh, you know, to get that never title shot against Shingo, I mean, that was not by accident. I mean, this is a very popular wrestler. And I don't think, you know, I think some of the Western fans don't seem to realize that at this point. But... I don't know if you disagree. Yes, he's definitely like one of like the top guys. Like, I probably wouldn't say he's Hiromu's best rival. Like it's pretty much still Dragon Lee, but he's pretty much the number two. Like whenever they face, it's always pretty great. And I don't think, yeah. Well, Hiromu's best rival is regular the company, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because I get what you mean by Dragon Lee for sure. But like he and Desperado go all the way back to like 2010 when they were both young lions. So, but, uh, you know, and they, and they keep, they reference that history a lot. But you're right. I did forget about Dragon Lee. That's probably. At, at best, it's probably a tie. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, like I definitely think he's getting a push lately, especially throughout this tournament. But like I said, even through the summer with the New Japan Cup and the little feud with Shingo for a minute. But I think his future's kind of more moving up, maybe rather than like being in a junior mm. and sticking around with Hiromu. I guess we'll say you think you don't think he's too small. I mean, he was in the New Japan Cup. He was like towering over in some of the guys. <laughs> like when I remember when he faced uh, Ishii, I was just like. He does not look like a junior compared to Ishii. Like Ishii well, he made Ishii look like a junior for. Well, Ishii, but, I mean, Ishii, Ishii is kind of small. Yeah, but Ishii, Ishii is a junior. He's a fat junior. But yeah, I mean, it's true. 
Uh, but yeah, so Doki gets some shine in on Desperado early. Uh, hits a nice little like combination that sends him out of the ring. He fakes out a dive when Desperati, Desperado, uh, I think I said Desperati, wow. Uh, <laughs> like combined Desperado and Despy. But yeah, he ducks at ringside. And then Doki does like a little flip against the ropes. That stuff you usually see out of Doki, obviously. But like he appears to be the babyface here, which makes sense, I guess. He's the underdog. Uh, Despy, though, was in no hurry to get back in the ring. Uh, Doki slid out after him. They traded elbows after, out there. Uh, Despy, like, poked him in the eyes in response, and he grabbed Doki's lead pipe. He shoved Marty Asami aside and went to use it on him. Doki, though, knocked it out of his hands, and then Desperado hilariously tried to beg him not to use it on him right after he was just going to hit him with it, which is just really funny and a great example of his, like, awesome character work. Uh, Doki does not fall for it and does hit him with the pipe after hesitating at first. Chokes him with it for good measure. Uh, he then, but then we get back in the ring and Desperado works on Doki's leg for a bit. Um, you know, he locks in the stretch muffler for the first time, the numero dos. Uh, great selling from Doki here as he struggles all, all the way the ropes to break. I, again, I mentioned this on the Patreon before, I think it was on a Patreon episode, but Doki, for a guy who has half his face covered by a mask, I mean, he, his selling is great. A lot of it's in his eyes, I think. Like, he, I don't know, he does a great job. Uh, with these eye, like these eye, uh, I don't know, eye, eye motions or something, like really getting across that he's in pain. Uh, Doki does a monkey flip on the apron to Desperado, who like grazes the apron and then just goes flying to the floor. I, I, I can't remember ever seeing that before. That was pretty nuts. Uh, and then Doki follows up with his big senton to, off the top to the floor for good measure. He gets his springboard DET back in the ring for a two count. He goes for the suplex de la Luna for, I think, the second time in the match. Uh, this time gets Desperado, like, all the way up, like he's about to drop him. But then Desperado rolls through it in the stretch muffler, and Doki finally has no choice but to tap out. I thought this rolled. I thought there was this was so much fun from beginning to end. My only real complaint here is I wish it could have gone on longer. Just tons of crazy stuff. They packed into a... Well, I thought the match was relatively short, but it was only over 15 minutes. So the fact that, you know, it flew by, I guess, is a... Uh, you know, also, uh, you know, a point in its favor. Yeah, I went four stars on this. I thought they killed it, uh, just like they have all tournament. And so just a really, really great match. Awesome match. Yes, yeah, I wouldn't go four stars, but I still, I really thought this match was awesome. Like, Doki and Despi have, like, been two of the best people in the tournament so far for me. It's pretty much, like, between them and Hiromu, like, been the top people for me. And I assume this match is going to be great, and it pretty much ended up being just about as good as I hoped it would. And uh, that, like, what was it? You called a monkey flip on the apron? That yeah. was crazy. It that was a little, was it, was, it was a little bit sl- kind of slow looking, but the bump Despy took on it was just fucking just gross. And yeah. um, so I can I can forgive it a little bit. Like Despy sold it like death, and um, that uh, senton off the top rope to the outside that was crazy. I don't like, I, has he, he he does that pretty often, doesn't he? The he said, yeah, rope, but... well, he came up with that apparently in Mexico. And Hiromu stole it from him, which is funny. But, okay, I'll say because I know Hiromu does it all the time. I yeah. didn't know if Doki did. I know they had a like they called it the Doki bomb on uh, commentary. I heard, I heard that off the Japanese commentary, but yeah, I believe that's uh, the story. I believe Hiromu stole it from him. So not not knowing he was going to follow him to New Japan, because who the fuck could have yeah. seen Doki coming to New Japan at the time? He he just saw him on the on the Mexican Indies when he was down there on excursion, I think. So. 
Yeah, it's like, um, that kind of makes sense because I think in Haramu's like notebook that he has that he writes down stuff for each guy. I think he said for Doki, it was like guy who does cool moves. Yeah, it was like, yeah, it was like, it was like guy who does great moves or something. Yeah, it was great. The notebook is great. Yeah, and like you said, uh, Doki's um, selling of the stretch buffler was just great. Like, it's like you said, I think think it's really his eyes and it's like, he kind of like sells physically too. Like, um, I don't know, like. I don't know how to describe it, but yeah, Doki selling it, that was great for a guy in a mask. Yeah. And and just the way Desi let it in, too, was really good. Like, he looked like he was ripping off his leg. But yeah, I thought that was a really good match. Probably like uh, three and a half, three and three quarters, something like that. So not quite four for me, but a still a really great match, a really good match. Uh, at the afterwards, Doki limping to the back using his pipe as a walking stick to sell the leg some more, while the crowd, like, sincerely applauds his efforts. Just a great moment at the end, too. Uh, you know, just, a, I, I don't know, just one of those visuals that'll stick with me. Uh, after this match, we learn that Noritaki Kinashi will be the special guest promoter for Wrestle Kingdom 15. Um, he's one of these, like, Japanese celebrities who's a jack-of-all-trades. Uh, you know, he's a comedian, actor, and singer. And he's, he sang a song here during this video. And he was doing, like, a Don King impersonation that I thought was pretty funny. But, yeah, I mean, uh, thankfully he did not go blackface with it. But, uh... <laughs> just yeah. to, just had the hair and like the you know the the gold chain stuff, but yeah, it was uh it was a pretty good impersonation I thought, and yeah the the whole you know th- this guy is a big big deal, um you know I, I was like looking him up after after watching this video I mean, uh, he's like he's even pre I think Mike Spears and the Voice of Wrestling Slack said this that he's he like predates even like Beat Takashi as far as like uh big Japanese comedians so, so he goes way back to like the eighties and. You know, it's just the kind of guy that's like going to appeal to um, like an older fan, which honestly they, you know, maybe that's the idea. Maybe to reconnect with some older Japanese wrestling fans here. Since, I mean, if you look at the crowds, they don't seem to need, have a lot of trouble connecting with young fans lately, especially young women. Um, so maybe the idea is like we need to reconnect to our older male fan base from, you know, generations past. And this is a possible way to do it. I mean, I think it's easily the most... It has to be the biggest mainstream name they've been associated with in like, God, like twenty years or something. I mean, it's a, it's a big, big mainstream name apparently. So, yeah, I'll say I, I was really confused when this guy popped up on my screen, <laughs> but uh, at least I kind of I could read what it was saying, so I kind of got the idea pretty quick. But is that song he was singing like actually going to be the theme? Because I don't, know. I'm not sure I liked that. The song was kind of funny, I thought, but yeah, it's uh, it, the song. I I could be wrong in this because it's not obviously you know. It, I don't know a ton about the, you know, I, uh, the idea to me is I thought with the song was to like, I thought it was like trying to be like a show a throwback. Did you get that vibe? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I, I think for like the video, like the announcement video, it works, but if like, that's going to be the actual theme song right. for Wrestle Kingdom, I'm not sure I'm really okay with that. Yeah. But for the announcement, it made sense. Like I, I enjoyed it for that. Yeah. I thought it was like supposed to be like a show a throwback song. I mean, look, if you, if you've spent any time watching Japanese music videos and stuff, which I do pretty often, you will come across so many like songs like that where where it's like clearly some kind of celebrity or other media personality who's doing like who has a co- a comedic song or a you know a joke song or even just a vanity song. I mean that um, I can give an easy easy example that people listening to this might know that Yada song. That became very popular in America, uh, and very popular. Like as an internet meme in the, I guess like late '90s, early aughts, I, th- I guess somewhere in there. Like that was a comedian song. I mean, that was a, 
you know, this comedian troupe uh, coming together to, to make this song happen to become a big hit. But that kind of thing happens all the time. But like celebrities, uh, you know, being involved in, you know, Japanese music. But I'm sure you've heard the Yada song, right? Or maybe was that a I probably before? have, but it's not coming to mind. <laughs> maybe it's a little before your time. But yes, if you look up Yata, it's like Y-A-T-T-A. I'd be surprised if some people didn't hear of it. Um, you know, there's a... God, what's another one I can think of? Uh, the, I keep the, the blank on the name. Something Beauty Salon. Just they kind of became a little bit of an English be- um, meme, but now I can't find it. So, Oh, Yazima Beauty Salon, which is like a collaboration with like a, a musical artist and... Uh, to comedians and that kind of thing happens a lot in uh you know in japanese music so you just have a lot of comedians really do love to get involved in uh you know and they make they make these com- joke songs and they end up becoming uh you know that like actual hits so anyway just two examples i thought of off the top of my head uh the next match here which was match four show defeats master wato in 1258 with a shock arrow uh, it moves Show up to four and two, and it drops Watto down to four and two. Um, so this was all Show for most of the first five minutes. Uh, he worked over Watto's arm and was like successfully blocking any kicks or other comeback attempts from Watto. Uh, Watto, I thought, did like his best selling of the entire tournament here. So you know, definitely something where I think he's needed some work recently. Um, he finally managed to get a Rana after the five minute call and did his big spinning dive to the outside. Uh, show quickly came back with a spear and then just started beating or kicking the shit out of Watto while he was in a kneeling position. And, you know, I, I think you're supposed to feel bad for Watto here while he's eating these alternating kicks. But at this point in this tournament, he probably needed a bit of an ass kicking. So I really like what his performance is. So I didn't really feel that bad for him, honestly. Uh, he did come back with some kicks of his own, but then he ate a really hard Larry from show that I think was like a receipt for, like, a hard kick to the face moments before. I'm not 100% sure it was the face because the camera was, like, behind Show, But I think Watto caught Show with something and then Show hit, like, an extra hard lariat right after that. So, you know, that could have been me imagining things, but that's what it looked like. Uh, but, yeah, this suddenly got, like, really stiff and nasty and it rolled. And then Watto did, like, a pair of big high kicks on Show and then went for the TTD, but Show got out of it. And then Watto kept dodging, like, all these different lariat attempts before... Uh, show finally connected and like almost decapitated him and Watto did this great flip sell and then show just hit the powerbomb lung blower for a two count and then followed by the shock arrow for the pin uh finish was a little out of nowhere but I thought this match still ruled the two of them just like stiffed each other like crazy just beat the piss out of each other uh Watto has had a pretty rough tournament up to this point but this was easily his best match of it so far uh actually this is gonna be the first time I go above three and a quarter for him uh and show has been pretty great Continue being great. So I went three and three quarters. I thought this was really good. Uh, I definitely agree. With, disagree with that. Okay. <laughs> I did not. Do, this match did not do much for me, to be honest. But like, this was my least anticipated match of the whole tournament. I think. Like, as soon as I saw the participants, one of like my first thoughts was, "Man, I gotta watch a Wado and Show match." But uh, like, Show just doesn't do much for me outside of Rapongi 3K. Like, I'm really waiting for Yo to come back so they can relive the tag team because I don't know, even though they probably won't because they'll probably stay split up. Yeah, I think I think Yo's gonna come. I think yeah, Yo's gonna come back and turn him. I think that's been my prediction for months, honestly. But yeah, I'm just like I just need Show to find a tag a tag partner or something because I I don't think he's that good as a singles guy, at least in like what I 
like whenever I watch him, I don't really enjoy him that much. But I think he's a great tag guy, especially like for a hot tag. But I don't know, it's him singles wise doesn't really do much for me. And then Watto is kind of like you never know what you're gonna get from him. Like he's never bad really, but it's just how good is he gonna be in that this match and. Uh, the match really pretty much ended up being expect- exactly what I expected it to be. Like, show was mostly kind of boring to me. Watto had some good bits, but he didn't really like the world on fire for me either, for the most part. Like, his strikes looked really good in this, which is something he kind of struggles with for me. Like, they either look like they either look good or they look like shit. Never really in between. But I thought he um, his striking was really good here, and like I don't know, it's, some of the move, like move sequences were just really weird to me. Like. Like, I was watching, it was like, what the fuck are they even doing? But, yeah, um, like, I don't know. It was fine. Probably, like, one of my least favorite matches of the tournament, to be honest. But, uh, probably, like, I don't know what I'd star rate it, really. I didn't rate it. But, yeah, this match just didn't do much for me. Okay, so definitely disconnect that, that's for sure. I can tell you my least favorite match of the tournament was uh, Doki and Ishimori, which I won two stars on. I don't know what was wrong with the two of them that day. Because they both had great tournaments in that one match. But uh, they, 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 I don't know. They had a bad day that day. I think that might have been from yes, the show they, you missed, though. Uh, no, I, I, did, uh, I did watch that. That was okay. Corkin. I think it was, like, the next house show after that uh, I didn't I watch. But, yeah, like, that Doki and Ichimori match wasn't very good either. But I don't think Ichimori's been having, like, a stellar tournament, personally, other than the Haroma match. I, uh, okay. I guess we, we definitely disagree there because I have I – I really liked his Mura match and his Eagles match as well. And then the Taguchi and Bush I thought are pretty good, which the Bush one we're about to talk about. Uh, the only matches I really hated was that Doki match. But uh, so here's up next: uh, Ishimori defeats Bushi in 1526 with the Bone Lock. Uh, so Ishimori moves to five and one, and Bushi drops to three and three. Uh, so this started out with Bushi drop kicking Ishimori before the bell, and then trying a tope to the floor, but Taiji cut him off with this cool hanging kick on the apron. Basically nailing him mid tope was quite the start. Uh, the match did get a little dull in the middle during Ishimori's heat segment, but Bushi did make a nice comeback. And really, Bushi's been one of my weaker guys in this tournament so far. But like, I thought his comeback here was like among the most fire he's shown in this tournament. Uh, he finally got his big tope. He was denied at the start of the match, and then he gets a somewhat slow Canadian destroyer for a two count. He goes for the MX. Uh, Ishimori catches him midair and powers him all the way over into the Tombstone Lung Blower. That looked impressive. Uh, the muscular Chihuahua, I guess, coming through there. And Ishimori goes for the Bloody Cross. Bushi almost reverses to the Bushi roll, but Ishimori kicks his legs out uh, just as he's about to get over the top, or kicks his legs away, I should say. Uh, it's, it's like basically as he's gonna get over him to get like the. It's, you know, the Bushi was like this hanging crucifix, right? Or this hanging backslide, I guess, actually. And, like, just as he's getting his legs over, like, Ishimori kicks him up straight up in the air. It was a really cool counter. Uh, he then switches to the bone lock, and that gets the tap out. Uh, the finish was quite definitive, and, you know, just uh, looked very cool, I thought. Ishimori basically just countered Bushi's counter and put him away. Um, but, yeah, I thought, uh, he, you know, he continues to be booked very strongly in this tournament. But I thought this was the worst match of the night, but still pretty good. I went three and a quarter. Uh, it got a little boring in parts, but I thought it, I mostly enjoyed it for the you know for the most part. Yeah, this match was okay. Like, um, I think Bushi was very much the highlight of it because I think I don't like you said. I, I don't think Ishimori. I don't know what it was with him tonight, but he just kind of felt like he was like sleepwalking through the match for most of it, and then out of nowhere, Bushi hit a Canadian destroyer to kind of wake everyone up. Like it was a little bit of a slow Canadian destroyer, but like that was really like the most notable um, 
thing in the match to me. Like, it really dragged, and it didn't help. I heard the five-minute call, and I thought they said 10. So when they actually hit the 10-minute call, I was kind of like, oh, crap. We still got five minutes of this to go. But sometimes I miss hear that stuff. But, um, yeah, it was, just, it, it was okay. Just nothing. Standard. Prob- I don't know. I, I still, I, personally, I think Sho and Wato was worse. But it's definitely, like, one of the lower matches of the night. Uh, the main event, Hiromu Takahashi defeats Robbie Eagles in 26-01 with the Time Bomb 2. It moves Hiromu up to 5-1 and one and drops Eagles to a, uh, I would say, somewhat surprising 2-4. and four. I'm pretty surprised by how poorly he's doing so far. We'll see if he gets some wins towards the end here. But I think he's he might be practically eliminated at this point. Because ha- they have, what, three, ma- three matches left? Well, no, he can get to 5-4. and four. Uh... But he already lost to Hiromu and Ishimori. Yeah, he might be out. <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it. Because the best he can get to is 5-4. and four. Uh, Hiromu and Ishimori already have five wins, and they both beat him. So, yeah, I think he, I think this eliminated Robbie. But there you go. Uh, but, yeah, this was a... this. I mean, this was awesome. I mean, you know, this was a fucking awesome match. A lot of people seem to have it even higher than I do. But uh, so I'll be interested to see what you think of it when I after I go through it here. Uh, Hiromu tease giving the book to Shingo who was on commentary for Samurai TV all night, which, uh, you know, if you can't hear him watching on New Japan World, it's because you don't get the Samurai commentary on New Japan World. You get a different commentary team. Uh, but yeah, he then gave it to Milano like normal. Shingo looked a, uh, a little offended, which was funny. And then, uh, you know, Milano every night now does like a big bow when he gets it, which I, I, I enjoy that. Uh, the Robbie entry was like, what, thank you for coming, right? It was like, kute, like arigato or something. Uh, probably. I, I I didn't read what his said. I think it was like Kute Aligato Gozaimas. Kute. But anyway. Uh, Eagles, you know, just wipes out Hiromu with a dive and then, like, starts uh, pantomiming these little cat motions to mock Hiromu. Just like, <laughs> that was really funny. I love that. Uh, he nails Robbie with a, or Hiromu comes back and nails Robbie with a big shotgun dropkick on the floor. And sends him through the railing fence just before the five-minute mark. He gives a sarcastic, uh, Robbie, 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 oi, oi, oi chant in the ring. As he's, like, punching away at him while holding him in a camel clutch. So, getting him back to that cat stuff, I guess. Uh, we get a bit more taunting by Hiromu before Robbie finally comes with a big comeback. He, like, wipes him out with those kicks. Does this brutal double-looking knee, double knee attack to the to Hiromu's face in the corner. Uh, we get the 15-minute call, and things like go to another level. Uh, we get a super close near fall for Eagles as he reverses the time bomb into a cradle. He hits a chop block on Hiromu that Hiromu does a great sell job for, just screaming in pain. Uh, but then Hiromu comes back with two straight super kicks that nearly take Robbie's head off. Uh, Hiromu then sets Eagles up on the apron, super kicks him again, then goes for the sunset flip power bomb, but his leg gives out as soon as he hits the floor. That was just such a great spot. Uh, so he's unable to get Robbie over for the Sunset Flip Powerbomb. He gets back up on the apron. Uh, Eagles hits a super kick to the leg. Goes for the Shurinai using the post. But Hiromu is able to block it. And they trade elbows on the apron. Uh, Hiromu like screams his name and goes for another super kick. But Robbie catches his leg and delivers a brutal turbo backpack on the apron. That was awesome. Uh, we get a count out tease. But Hiromu just barely beats the count. Uh, just we get the 20 minute call. Robbie goes for the 450 to leg. Hiromu goes up there to cut him off. Uh, Robbie fights him off. Turns it into a top rope Shurinai. But Hiromu kicks out at two. 
Eagles goes right back up and goes for the 450 to leg again. Hiromu rolls like partly out of the way, but just takes it on the back instead, which still hurts, of course. So uh, Robbie covers and gets a two count. He then goes for the Ron Miller special, but Hiromu rolls him up for their near fall. Uh, Robbie hits a running kick to the leg and then successfully locks in the Ron Miller special this time. Just outstanding selling from Hiromu here, acting like he's going to tap at any second, but he eventually does manage to crawl the ropes to force a break. Uh, there's like a slight botch while Hiromu was, uh, you know, supposed to counter Eagles, uh, you know, locking in the Ron Miller special. But, you know, basically, oh, sorry, the slight botch, he was supposed to counter Eagles, like straight up onto his shoulder uh, from the reverse Shurinai, uh and then like collapse on the bad leg. He doesn't quite get Robbie up on his shoulders off that off that reverse Shurinai. Um you know, since he's supposed to be collapsing and selling anyway, it's not that big of a deal, but it was, I think, a slight botch. Um, Robbie then keeps kicking at the leg. Hiromu, like, explodes out of nowhere with a huge lariat. He did an awesome job basically, like, leaping on one leg to get the lariat. Uh, unfortunately, he does a full-force run into a lariat right after that for a two-count, which I don't love, but at least he slapped the leg repeatedly right before he ran, I guess. Uh, Eagles hits a series of kicks to the face. Hiromu manages to catch him going for a Rana, powers him straight up into his suplex face buster, which they keep saying the name of, and I never remember what it is, but oh well. Uh, he then grabs Robbie from behind, hits the time bomb too, and that is the pin. Match was awesome. Uh, you know, it was hyped up pretty pretty big before I watched it, and uh, I think it pretty much was as I expected. Outstanding leg sling from Hiromu. Fantastic work from both guys. Uh, I could nitpick and say Hiromu... Did that one running spot toward the end, and the finish to me felt a little, I don't know, a little anticlimactic or something. But still an awesome match, easily four and a quarter, uh, right behind Hiromu versus Doki for my favorite match of the tournament so far. I think that's still my favorite, but this would be number two pretty easily. Yeah, say I thought this match was just incredible. Like it was my most anticipated match of the tournament after they were kind of like building up to a Hiromu Robbie match. It seemed like before COVID hit when. Like maybe do like a title match at like new be- not new beginning but like one of the tour of the four best super juniors I guess but since we were denied it there I was kind of really excited to have it here and uh, like they just laid this match out pretty much perfectly um, started off pretty slow with them taunting each other kept it interesting throughout slowly built up built up until like it peaked like just the right moment around like the twenty minute mark and just a ton of crazy big moves like that. Like one, like you said, one of my favorite spots of the whole thing was um, Hiromu going for the sunset flip power bomb to the outside, but then just collapsing because he can't actually hit it because of his leg. Like some people I saw were I forget what match it was. I think it was the Despi Hiromu match where they were saying like, "Oh, Hiromu wasn't selling well enough in that." But I think he kind of just did the leg selling here perfectly, just multiple times. It actually playing into the match, like the sunset flip power bomb. And then the uh, running DVD into the corner that he does, but again, his leg gave out, so he couldn't hit it. And that fucking uh, back or Tira backpack on the apron was just, um, ridiculous. <laughs> like these two were just going all out, and um, I'm between like four and a half, four three quarters. Like, so I oh, definitely wow. I think I enjoyed it a little bit more than you, but yeah. I definitely think it was Hermu's it's, it's a match of the tournament for sure for me. But it might be Hiromu's best match this year. Like maybe the Wrestle Kingdom title match might be better. It's pretty much between those two for me. Yeah, I think I like the Dragon Lee match better, but uh, a new beginning. But uh, oh yeah, I like that match. That's probably like that'd be my number three probably. 
Yeah. But there you go. This was I thought was the best night of the tour. Uh, more like what people were expecting from a best of Super Junior Corican. You know, I had two matches at four plus, another at three and three quarters, a three and a half, and the worst match of the night at three and a quarter. So great, great stuff here. Uh, as the best of Super Junior really has hit its stride in the second half, I thought. You know, the last couple nights have been really good. So, you know, hopefully they keep it up here down the stretch. Um, yes, I have been enjoying the whole tournament, really. Like, yeah. I, I get the criticism that it's not as good as past Best Super Juniors, but that's kind of what's going to happen when you kind of lose the international uh, flair of Best Super Juniors. Yeah. I think it's been a damn good tournament. I don't know. I think people are... Yeah, I've been enjoying people, it a lot. People are a little too negative early on, so I think it's picked... Maybe even including me. <laughs> but, like, like after night three, I remember not being super super thrilled with night three at Corican. Whatever the... Yeah, I think that was the second... Or, no, which one was the second? Was that Corican? the one with uh, Bushi and Haramu as the main? Yeah, I think that was the second Corican, um, which yeah, I wasn't I thrilled so, yeah. with. And then night four... But night four and five are both pretty damn good, and night six was awesome, so... Like I said, the second third here really picked up, and it's been quite good. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value a complete view of all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun. And sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs. And it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. 
The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. All right, so our best of Super Junior standings after night six. Uh, we have Hiromu and Ishimori, uh, both at five and one with ten points, but Hiromu has the tiebreaker. He beat Ishimori, so right now he's standing on his own at the top. Then you have Master Wato, Sho, and El Desperado all at four and two. Then you have Bushi and Taguchi at three and three, six points. Uh, below them, like I said, pretty surprised. Robbie Eagles, two and four, four points. And then all by them lonesome here, Doki and Yuya Imura, 0 and 6 with zero points. Although one of them is about to be at two points, as we'll talk about. Uh, the best of Super Juniors night seven. We get a little bit of a break here. It's Wednesday, uh, December 2nd at the Osaka Municipal Center Gymnasium. Uh, the opener is what Kojima and Homa against Suji and Kid. So finally mix it up a little bit. I guess the guy didn't want to go to Osaka. Uh, match two, Yuya Oyamura versus Doki. Um, Doki's going to win that and finally get his first two points, so good good for Doki. Um, but yeah, that, that could be pretty good, especially since the, the fans will like really bite on those Oyamura near falls, I think. Yeah, definitely that's going to be really good. Uh, match three, Taguchi against Eagles. I think Eagles wins that. I think he's going to get to three and four here, and, you know, Taguchi's already at three and three, and... Not, not gonna fact neither neither of these guys are gonna factor into the end anyway. So I think they give the win to Eagles. Yeah, I'd like to see him get some at least another point, another win. Uh, then like we I get, said, I think it's it's really surprising how little wins he's gotten so far. Yeah. Then we have Master Watto against Bushi. Um, I could see Bushi winning that, but I think Watto wins because he's gonna be alive on the last night because uh, he's facing Hiromu. So I think Watto's gonna win that. Yeah, probably. Uh, then Taiji Ishimori versus El Desperado. That's a big match. Uh, Ishimori at 10 points, Despi at 8. Uh, champion versus champion. Uh, pretty excited for that one. I don't know which way they're going to go with this. I think Desperado is going to win, and I think Sho's going to win the main, so you have four guys tied at 10 points. Uh, I could be wrong on that, but that's what I think they're going to do. Or five guys tied at 10 points, too, if Wato wins, so... Yes, yeah, I, I think Despi's going to win this one for sure. And in the main event, Show at 8 points against Hiromu at 10 points. I just gave away. I think Show is going to win this and get possibly the biggest win of his singles career so far. Actually, not even possibly. It would be the biggest. Um, and yeah, I think, uh, you know, this could be really good. So I'm pretty excited for it. Yeah, I'd say overall, I think that show should be really good. Yeah. He said it's in Osaka, so they might, it'll probably, they'll probably have their working boots on. It'll probably be a really good show overall. Yeah. Uh, so that will be covered again on the Omakase Patreon. So if you want to hear my review of that show, it's at patreon.com slash wrestlingomakase for only five bucks. Uh, the next show we'll be covering on the Patreon actually is the World Tag League Night 7, which is tomorrow, uh, Monday, November 30th at Corrigan. Also on the Patreon with the big Finn Jews versus Dangerous Techers main event, which I'm very excited for. I mean, those two teams, I would say those two teams and Shingo and Sonata have been the clear class of that tournament. And then, you know, Okan and Cobb have been a lot of fun, too. Uh, you know, Goto and Yoshihashi. Uh, you know, Tana Hanare. Just, there's a, there's a whole... I mean, Evil and Yujiro have even been kind of surprisingly enjoyable. Uh, the, really, the only teams I haven't enjoyed that much um, are Ishii and Yano. 
who, uh, I mean, just Ishii looks very uninterested a lot of nights, and I don't really blame him. Uh, you know, Yano's Yano. Uh, Girls of Destiny haven't looked that great to me, other than, you know, Tonga Loa looks okay some nights, and, you know, Tama Tonga just, I don't know. I, he, he is what he is, I guess, too. Uh, but I think Tonga Loa has surpassed him. And then Fale and Owens have been the dirt worst. Really, the only thing, like, really dragging down what's been a pretty damn good World Tag League is a fucking Fale and Owens team. They've been horrible. But, anyway. There's a quick World Tag League thoughts for those of you who haven't been listening to the Patreon every day. But, I don't know. Yeah, I'll say, I'm, you're a better, man, better person than me uh, watching all these World Tag League <laughs> matches. I, been, I cannot do it. They've been good. I mean, it's been a good tournament. I don't know. I think they've, the last few nights, especially, have been... Quite good. The techers are so fucking awesome. So, like, the, the Dangerous Techers, Finjuice, and Shingo and Sonata, they, they've resulted in... I have multiple four-star matches. So, there's been some really good stuff. Uh, let me see here, just off the top of my head. Yeah, Techers against Tana Hanari, I went four. Techers against Sonata and Shingo, I went four and a quarter. Uh, Techers against Okan and Kabe, I went four. Um, Finjuice against Sonata Shingo, I went four. You know, so there's been a lot of good stuff in the tournament. There's just, there's just been a lot of... Bad stuff too with the mostly with the Fale and Owens team, uh, which have been you know brutal in this tournament. I mean, it really, uh, you know, if you want to, you want to enjoy the tournament, just skip their matches. Basically, that's what it comes down to. Uh, you know, just been they've been pretty horrible. But there you go. Yeah, so I've definitely been picking and choosing myself. Mostly, if I see anything like if you recommend it or if someone else, I'm, I kind of feel like I have similar uh, taste with. Like I, I do need to watch that Techers and. Uh, Empire match for one. Yeah, that was awesome. That's on my list. Yeah, that was awesome. Definitely recommended. So, if you want to hear tomorrow's show reviewed, again, patreon.com slash wrestlingomakase. Let's get over to the DO now, the DTDO. Uh, so, to recap my thoughts, and I guess you can... Uh, you've seen all of it so far, I assume? Uh, not yet. Oh. I've, I've only seen night one and then today's show. Okay, well, you did... I just a... need to watch the other two. Well, you did... no, 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 you don't, actually, because those two shows fucking kind of sucked. Uh, I mean... I mean, I, so I was going to recap again for people people who didn't hear my daily audio on the Patreon uh, and the episode I did with Liam yesterday. I mean, day night two especially, uh, do not bother watching. That was a very disappointing show. I mean, it tops off with three and a half stars in one match. And the main event, uh, the Brooks and uh, – not Brooks, I'm sorry. The uh, Takashita Akito match is like a half an – almost a half an hour and just like really, really quite bad. I mean, I went two stars on it. Uh, so yeah, night two, <laughs> skip night two for sure. Uh, night three is a little better. I still think very skippable. It still tops out at three and a half stars, but at least the main event isn't like endless and bad, but it's still a pretty disappointing end of a Gucci match at only three and a quarter. So yeah, I mean, they came into this show tonight needing a, a good show because the last two nights of the DO after the first night, which was awesome. I mean, the first night from Corican we talked about in the free feed last week, that was an awesome show. Uh, you know, they needed a good show, and I thought they had a good show. So, you know, they de- they desperately needed it, and they they did have one here. Uh, night four was uh, today, Sunday, 11.29, from the Osaka um, Azazaria Taisho Hall. I looked up where this was in Osaka just to see if I, you know, if it was anywhere near where I've been in the city. It looks like it's pretty far out uh, in the Taisho Ward. Um, you know, it's well to the south uh, southwest of the, even the Namba uh like touristy area that i've been to so it looks like this is like well outside of uh any areas where any tourists would go to basically but yeah it's like quite not not super far from there like let's say from jr namba station i bet it's only a little bit but 
it's definitely just like past where I would have gone. So I definitely haven't been anywhere nearby. Yeah, it's only about, yeah, 27 minutes from JR Namba. So, you know, not really that far, I guess, but uh, definitely not a place I've been to before. Uh, this show, the opener, was Antonio Honda defeating Keigo Nakamura with a backslide pin in 836. Uh, obviously not a tournament match. Oh, and I should mention, too, that the, the injury the injury buy for the show, the guy who's supposed to fight Daisuke Sasaki, but uh, Sasaki is out injured with a injured, broken rib, um, as we talked about in the Patreon, if you haven't heard uh, since the last free show. So Sasaki's out. Um, all the guys who are going to fight him get a injury buy. So that's Hiroshima on this show. Uh, there was also supposed to be a scheduled night off because uh, it's seven guys per block, so someone gets a night off every show. Uh, it was Akito in the A block, and thank God, because Akito's been kind of brutal in this tournament so far. Usually a guy I really like, too, but his, his tournament's not been good. And Shuma Katsumata in the B block got the night off as well. But yeah, this Honda-Nakamura match, um, you know, first of all, after I talked a lot on the on the Patreon about how great it was for those uh, two, two Narimasu Act Hall shows to at least have announcers, and single cam instead of just single cam, like you've had in the past years for Do spot shows. We had no announcers for the show, so uh, you know it was like the Price is Right fail horn, I guess. It was like da 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 da, no announcers. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I really miss the announcers because they do add energy to these uh, single cam shows. But anyway, so the, the the joke here was they end up under the ring. I guess we get like you know loud noises or whatever. And they come out and they they, ha- they they've swapped outfits, and Kago starts doing Honda's whole stick with the punches and elbows, but then Honda backslides him and gets the pin. The ring announcer says Kago Nakamura is the winner, and he's never won a match. It's a big part of this joke. His music plays. Honda as Nakamura does like an excited young lion celebration, uh, and then finally he realizes. Oh, wait, I'm Antonio Honda. So I guess we didn't see the first Keigo Nakamura win ever. And Nakamura gets upset and they uh, still in Honda gear back in the entranceway. I guess that was his plan but to get his first win. So it's a pretty funny joke here. Uh, but yeah, the match was boring for a little while, but the joke at the end was funny. So Yeah, I pretty much have the same opinion. Like, the match was whatever, but the, the finishing joke was pretty great. Like yeah. I love Nakamura, like just being all <laughs> depressed in the like at the entryway when he found out he didn't actually get his first win. <laughs> like the, the, that was just a, such a clever way to announce uh, a first ever King with Nakamura win without actually giving him a win. So it's like a almost like a parody of like the Young Lion thing. So it was really funny. Yeah, I did like uh, before they went outside and like switched their gear, or whatever. They were both like dueling gone the foxes, but they kept missing because they'd slide over the other guy's head because they're both bald. <laughs> Uh, match number two, Hiroshima and Torowashi defeat Dancho Kudino and Kazuki Hirata. Uh, Hiroshima pinned Hirata with the Somato in 10-17. So there's a lot to this match. First of all, the idea is they still want the, um, the Daisuke, uh, Sasaki, like, the guy who's supposed to face Sasaki, uh, you know, in a tournament match that's now getting a buy in each night. They still want him to, they still want that guy to have a match. So here, it's a tag match with the uh, you know, the DDT Viardi team, right? Like, the, that's what they, they've been do- claiming themselves as. So here it just starts to give his normal speech about how, you know, they're going to decide a new Osaka, uh, you know, Viardi title, and we're going to blow, blow away the DO. And then Imabayashi, the, you know, the authority figure of the promotion, uh, 
I don't actually I don't think he has an official authority anymore, but he still they still act like he does. So he basically stops the match and berates them uh, and says they can't do a stupid comedy match because Hiroshima is in an important tournament and he can't afford to lose focus. Uh, and as always, uh, big shout out to DT English Update for the, the help here uh, with the translations at DT Pro underscore ENG on Twitter. But he tells them, uh, Awashi, none of your dumb lucha. Dino, no ass. And Hirata, none of your stupid dancing. Uh, at one point, Imabayashi asked Dino, uh, you know, who wants to see the ass of a man in his 40s? And if he thought about his future, some real savage shit. And then Dino, like, affirms that he'll be showing his ass well into his 50s, which is horrifying to think about. But uh, Ima's not having it. But then Hiroshima finally, like, stops them, or stops Imabayashi, and says, you know, I heard what you said through the curtain. And, you know, I'm doing well in the deal right now, and I'm thankful that you care about me. But more importantly, these guys do their best uh, to make wrestling fun for the fans. They do it with pride. And Hiroshima's like, try to understand them. Give them a chance. And Imabayashi's like, I'm sorry. I didn't even try to understand them. I will do my try my best to understand each and every one of them. For starters, I'll try to understand Dino. I will show my ass. And he gets up in the corner like Dino and pulls his pants down, even though everybody's like, no, this is not what we wanted. And he just did, he just stand, stands there with his ass out forever. Like, for a long time. Like, even well after the match ends. Uh, but yeah, Dino tells Harashima that what he said made him happy. Uh, and the undercard may not the undercard may not get to be a part of the DO, but we still do our best to make the fans happy. And it also tells him you do your best to win the DO. And he pins Hirata with the Samato. This was fucking funny. Yeah, I'll say I love this match. It was so funny. It's definitely a match you need to look up the DT English um, <laughs> explanation of it because that definitely helps a lot. And like you said, Imobayashi was up there with his ass out for so long, <laughs> like to the point where like. You know, like they disinfect the ring after matches. They even disinfected his ass while they were cleaning the. <laughs> yeah, the crowd was the crowd was laughing so hard at that. It was great. Oh man, yeah, this was just a really funny match. Uh, match number three, the first Dio Grand Prix match, the the B block. So the way DD's been doing these shows, uh, they do all the one all the matches from one block and they all the matches from the other block, uh, which I like. I happen to think that's a pretty cool way to do it. Uh, this is the B block, the first match, Katsusada Higuchi. Defeat Soma Takao with the uh, bu- Buchika Mashi at 11.30. Had to really sound that one out. Uh, and moves Higuchi up, up to five points and drops Takao to four points. You're tr- you've been trying to learn Japanese too. Do you have like a harder time with Romanji now? Because I feel like I'm so used to reading like kanji and especially like hiragana and katakana like, you know, readings of kanji that like when I'm trying to read Romanji, I, like, it, it actually like confuses my brain now. I said, my problem really with Romaji now is like um, if it's a long vowel and they shorten it anyway, like if it's supposed to be like OU or like O and they just cut it to O, like Keno's name for one, like yeah. they, well, there's just 50 different uh, different ways to write his name in Romaji apparently. But yeah, it's like I don't have trouble reading it. It's just sometimes they leave out stuff so it makes it harder to pronounce accurately, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Like I've really been going hard on the, the immersing without Romaji. So now when I see it, it's, you know, especially these longer words, I'm just like, oh yeah, <laughs> I have to read, I have to remember how to read this. Uh, uh, definitely. Like if you're <laughs> learning Japanese, you want to drop Romaji as soon as possible. Yeah. Uh, so Soma just kind of like very slowly stomps and beats on a Gucci for a while in a pretty uninteresting way for most of the first five minutes of this match. 
Uh, Higuchi finally makes a nice little comeback. He hits Soma with a big atomic drop. He hits a running shoulder block and a power slam for a two count. Uh, and then he goes after Higuchi's arm. But then Higuchi hits that big, I guess, shoulder block out of nowhere for the surprising pin. Uh, I didn't dig this at all, really. I thought Soma's offense was, like, beyond boring. Higuchi's comeback was pretty decent, but not worth sitting through the boring uh, offense. And the closing stretch wasn't very exciting to me either. Uh, you know, that shoulder block charge, which I guess I just pronounced the, mispronounced the name of. Not an exciting finisher, really. I don't know. Two and a quarter for me. Below average match. I actually enjoyed this match a lot. Like, oh. I think it was better than I expected going in, to okay. be honest. Like, like so, someone's kind of hit or miss with me, and I think he actually kind of delivered here to me, at least. Like, um, yeah, like, the beginning was a little uh, not like, – it wasn't as good as it could have been. But pretty much, like, once they were fighting outside and uh, Higuchi – or Soma made Higuchi, like, chop the ring post to like, injure his arm, I thought it kind of got really good from there because it gave uh, Soma a target to focus on. And it, like, it kept coming back in the match, like um, Higuchi was like, I don't know, it was like a bear hug kinda, and someone like reversed it into like this arm lock that I thought was really good. And uh, then like someone was like just stomping on his arm, and Higuchi got up and just like dared him to strike him, and caught like the shoulder strike or not the shoulder, like um, like the elbow strike with his like head and shoulder, like caught the the strike. So I thought that was really good and. I kind of actually like the finishing sequence, like um, Higuchi going for that shoulder tackle, but then someone just blocked it, only for uh, Higuchi to like immediately tackle him again for the win. Like I def- I do agree though, it is kind of like anticlimactic of a finisher. I wish he'd come up with something else. Like his main finishers are like the shoulder tackle and then like the torture rack on the shoulders, kind of or, or not sh- torture rack, but I'm bad with moving. I think names, it's Canadian, Canadian backbreaker, I think. Yeah, that. Yeah, like those are his two main finishers and. I definitely think he could come up with something better, but I don't know. I, just, I really enjoy this match. Uh, match number four, Junakiyama defeats Makoto Oishi with the Fujiyama knee lock cutback in 1049. Jun goes to four points and Oishi stays at two. Um, I like to start this match a lot with like Oishi de- trying like desperately to tr- do anything to get the bigger Akiyama off, the, off his feet. Uh, before Akiyama just easily stuffs him and eventually like drills him with his pile driver, almost like pulls him straight back from his takedown attempt into the pile driver, like a very cool and natural looking way. And it's just very natural mat work in general. Uh, Oishi does eventually get some offense on Akiyama. He gets a big swinging DUT out of the corner. He tries to set him up for the miracle ecstasy bomb, but that's easier said than done. When it starts out as a choke slam, Akiyama easily fights him off. Uh, Oishi you know, survives the exploder, among other things, and gets his knee bar locked down Akiyama on the mat. But when, like, Oishi tries to pull back on it a little too hard, Akiyama's, like, easily able to roll through it into the pen, and that gets him the three count. Um, you know, I like to finish a lot there. Like, Oishi, you know, just trying to pull back on it a little too hard, and it lets the bigger veteran Akiyama just, like, roll through it for the pen. I thought this was a damn good match. A lot of cool mat work at the start. A great, like, big versus small match in general. Uh, I went three and a half. Definitely enjoyed it. Yeah, I'll say I, I really enjoyed this too. I was kind of a little bit surprised that Akiyama won. Like, obviously, he can beat anybody, but I kind of figured he has to lose sometime in this tournament, and all he's really lost to is um, Endo. So I figured losing Oishi wouldn't be a terrible loss for him, especially since Oishi's supposed to be the leader of Junretsu, not Akiyama. But like I said, I think it was really Matt-based at the beginning, which I kind of expected going on going in, since that's kind of Oishi's specialty. But uh, 
I loved uh, like Oishi just kicking out of, like everything from Akiyama, like the including the uh, exposed running knee. And uh, I guess you said I the finish was really good with um, Akiyama just rolling him up, not necessarily in a definitive like a decisive win, but a win nonetheless because Oishi kind of slipped up and. I really liked Oishi's uh, selling of the defeat after the match. And yeah, it's like, uh, probably like three and a quarter, three and a half, yeah. Uh, match number five was Tipsy Endo defeating Yuki Ueno with the Shooting Star Press in 2256. That moves Endo up to seven points and drops Ueno stays at two points. Um, yeah, this was, this was fucking awesome. Uh, a really high energy start with both guys going hard and fast at each other. Neither is able to land like a real blow. Um, you know, they eventually fight out to the apron after the five-minute mark where Ueno drops Endo with, like, a hard snap DDT. Uh, you know, Endo continues just, like, bumping all over the place for Ueno throughout the match. He takes this really cool, like, counter-stunner off the ropes uh, after Endo had been looking for something else. I, I don't remember what, honestly. It was maybe, like, a suplex off there or something. But then he also takes this, like, really, like, awesome flying bump right on his neck off a Ueno dropkick, or missile dropkick off the top. Uh, we get a pretty pretty crazy no-sell exchange with Endo, no-selling a half-Nelson suplex from Ueno, Ueno no-sells a super kick. Endo no-sells an Enzigiri, and then finally Ueno no-sells a Canadian Destroyer, and like rolls right on top of Endo when they hit the ground for a close pin attempt. Uh, that could have been hokey, but I thought it looked awesome, mainly because they both like, you know, they were both still like subtly selling, the moves as they stagger back to their feet, and that that last roll up by Ueno after hitting the mat was awesome, and it leads to a double knockout tease after a lariat by Endo and a big drop kick by Ueno. So it was like they were still selling the you know accumulation of all those moves, and that had a little more weight than usual because you know Endo Higuchi on the last show had just ended with a double knockout. Uh, Ueno hits an awesome Rana counter to an Endo power bomb. They pull that off perfectly, like just jumped up in midair. Just really did a, did a great job with that for super close near fall. And then Endo is finally able to finish Ueno off with the torture rack bomb, followed by the shooting star press for the win. Uh, I went four stars on this. Easily match of the night. Up there for the best of the tournament so far. I don't quite think it's up there. Like, I think I still liked uh, maybe, God, which one I'm thinking of. One of the one of the matches of night two, uh, probably the probably the Ueno and Higuchi match. I think from night one. I mean, I think that was my favorite match. They're all four stars though, so I mean, it's close. But yeah, this is these are the best since night one. Uh, and Ueno put up a great fight. Uh, I thought he might really pull it off. You know, win the uh, champion versus champion match here since Ueno's the universal champion. Uh, but they're really running with the unbeatable, you know, KOD openweight champion thing for Endo right now. You have to respect that booking. So I thought this was awesome. Yeah, I absolutely love this match. <clears throat> it was the best match these two have had yet in their like little series they're doing this year. Like this matchup is all, like a whole has kind of been hit or miss with me this year. Like I, I forgot which one it was, or which one's which. But I remember like one of their matches I just didn't like at all, and one of them I liked, but still not as much as the others. Or other people seem to. Like, I think it was the gauntlet cash-in that I didn't really like that much. Oh, yeah. That, but, I, I did like that a lot, so. But, yeah, like, Ueno's been on a roll since winning the Universal title, like, in this kind of just continued it because I just thought this match was awesome. Um, I was surprised so much of this was Endo working from underneath early on, but it kind of made sense in the end since pretty much went all out against each other. But, um, like, there's one really gruesome-looking spot that happened right around the 20-minute call, call. I think it might have been, like, Right before it, it was like up on the turnbuckle. I don't know what Uena was trying to do, 
but it ended up kind of just him dropping Endo on his neck on the turnbuckle. Like, it ended up looking kind of cool, but I don't know what he was trying to do, and it took him, like, forever to actually set it up. Now, that's really, like, my main nitpick about the match. But beyond that, I thought it was a great match. Like you, I think... It, I don't know if it's my favorite match of the tournament so far, but it's definitely, like, my number two, probably. Yeah. Like, I think I think Higuchi Ueno has been my... Um, it's probably definitely my top match so far. Yeah. I mean, I, I think... I think yeah, I think I liked yeah Gucci Ueno better. This this and Endo Akiyama is close. I think I like this a little better than Endo Akiyama from night one. So this will probably be my number two match so far of the tournament. But yeah, I mean the, nights two and three just didn't give anything on that level. So very glad that like we got at least one more awesome match, uh, you know, on this show. Um, yeah, I think those three are like the main matches so far of the tournament, and probably all around like four, four and a quarter for me. Yeah. Uh, match number six uh, in the A block. Mao defeats y- Yukio Sakaguchi with the Michinoku Driver 2 in 9.53. So Mao moves up to 4 points and Yukio's stuck at 4 points. Uh, they, started this out, they started this out pretty tentatively. Uh, Mao got some kind of like wacky head scissors. With, like his whole body extended outward. It was uh, very wacky looking. But Sakaguchi was very close to the ropes and made it fair- fairly easily. Get a decent moonsault off the second turnbuckle to the floor from Mao just before the five minute mark. They didn't really have to say from Mao there. Sakaguchi's not doing moonsaults off the second turnbuckle anytime soon. Uh, Sakaguchi comes back with a nice strike combination, some hard slaps to the face, but misses his charging knee in the corner when Mao dodges, and then Mao hits a great missile drop kick to the back of the head. Uh, Mao gets a big spinning kick to counter a charging Sakaguchi, uh, a palm strike, and then a Michinoku driver for. Pretty surprising pen. Uh, I thought this was pretty good. The finish was like very much out of nowhere for me. I would like this to go a little longer here, but what they did was mostly good stuff. So I would go three and a quarter stars. Yes, yeah, so I, I thought it was a pretty cool match. I liked um, Mal kind of doing more of a striking and mat based match early on instead of like his usual like high speed, high flying kind of stuff. Still had a little bit like the moonsault and that stuff that you mentioned, but. I'm not sure uh, Sakaguchi is the kind of guy you want to try and have a striking match with, though, since that's kind of his bread and butter. But yeah, it worked for Mal, though. Yeah, I say it worked for him because he beat him. Like uh, the finish felt kind of out of nowhere, like you said, which I'm not sure I liked. Like it was a, like it, like it happened, and I was like, oh, that's really the finish, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, like probably three and a quarter too. But yeah, it's like I enjoyed it, but the finish kind of came out of nowhere for me. Uh, main event in the A block, Chris Brooks defeats Konosuke Takashita by referee stoppage with a modified arm lock in 24-21. Moves Brooks up to 6 points and Takashita still at 4 points. Alright, so this match, kind of a slow start. Really struggled to maintain my attention for the first, like, 10 minutes. Uh, you know, the very dead, even by a COVID standards crowd all night, didn't really help either. But other matches did more to overcome it. And these two just worked very slow early on, with, which combined with the atmosphere just is not a great combo. Uh, it did pick up with both guys throwing elbows on the floor. Uh, Brooks, like, suddenly sent Takashita hard in the post. And Takashita w- was selling up the ba- selling the band-aids up arm pretty well, I guess. Although, I, I, like I'm going to talk about at the end, I don't think that's his strong point. Uh, Brooks put him in an octopus hold as referee Matsuri's count got higher and higher. And then tried to rush back into the ring to leave Takashita to be counted out. But Take was able to just make it back in. Uh, they fight on the top rope. That fight honestly felt kind of endless to me, which didn't help with how much the match was dragging for me at that point. Uh, before Takashita was finally able to get a superplex, that was just before the 15-minute mark, uh, 
we did do at least get a more exciting uh, suplex trading sequence soon after that. That was cool. Leads to another double knockout tease. We got a ref bump and a Brooks low blow before hitting the praying mantis bomb. Uh, really channeling evil here, I guess. <laughs> but Takashita still kicks out at two. And then Takashita is able to pull like pull him into a big Larry out of nowhere for a two count. I don't love that because you had to pull him with the arm that he's been selling all match. Looked pretty stupid. Uh, I mean, it looked cool, I guess, but like it just stupid didn't make a lot of sense, you know. Um, Takashiya then tries to get him for a deadlift German, but Brooks uh, smartly goes after the bad arm to reverse it into, you know, this wacky hold, and then finally gets the arm pulled back after a long struggle, and the referee does stop it. Um, yeah, and then that, interesting that Takashiya was willing to shake hands with a guy who low-blowed him after the match. Very nice of him. But yeah, I don't know what to do with this match. I mean, it was long and dull for a lot of those stretches. Like, the best parts were in the finishing stretch, so that's nice. The finish made sense, but most of it was just not that interesting to me. And, like, I know I've talked about this behind the paywall, but the problem with Takashita doing this, like, Go Shiozaki arm injury shit all tournament is that he's not Go Shiozaki when it comes to selling. It's not remotely his strength. I don't find him to be a sympathetic or interesting baby face. And, you know, what he does well is, like, the big, puro, bomb-throwing, like, modern matches with, like, a million lariats and a million suplexes. That's what he does well. He executes moves about as well as anybody in wrestling now. But, like, he is not a interesting, like, or, I don't know, he just doesn't come across as, like, a vulnerable, sympathetic guy at all. When he's so much bigger than most of these guys in this, in this tournament. I mean, he's still, you know, Brooks is a little taller, but, like, you know, Takashiya still looks like he has, like, 20 pounds on him. Um... I, I don't know, I just, I don't find it interesting, I don't find it, you know, uh, entertaining. So I'll give this the gentleman's three, move on with my life. It wasn't bad or anything, but definitely nothing you need to go out of your way to see. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the crowd, because I was going to, because I, I didn't want to project my own thoughts onto the crowd, but they just did not seem to give a shit about this match for the majority of it. Like, I know it was a COVID crowd, so it's kind of hard to tell, like, the reactions, but it felt very quiet for the majority of this match until, like, the end, and... Like, I'm very, like, hot and cold on Brooks' singles matches. I, like, I hated his universal title run, to be honest, other than his match with Drew and the match with Uena where he lost the belt. And then his match where he won the title with between these two, I thought was fine. But I remember a lot of people kind of thought it was great. But uh, this match, uh, pretty much the same I felt about their last match. I thought it was fine. It was a really slow start. Like, it was most Chris in control for the first half, and I can't say his offense is uh, that thrilling, to be honest. Uh, it wasn't really until the 15-minute mark when they did anything particularly interesting. They were really trying hard to put on, like, an epic-feeling match, and a hot crowd probably would have helped that. But like I said, at the start, like, the crowds did not seem into it at all and ended up being just a really kind of dull match with a hot closing stretch. Like, the closing stretch was very good, but it's just, like, the rest of the match did nothing for me, and I'd probably go over about 3-2 myself. Yeah, it just wasn't just wasn't much of anything other than the closing stretch, like you said. Uh, but there you go. Still, this was still a lot better than nights two and three, uh, mostly because of that um, Endo Oedo match. Like no, nothing on either of those shows comes close to that match. And this was, you know, even a match that I didn't love here was still a lot better than that Takashita Akito made up in on night two. So you know, definitely improved here from nights two and three. Uh, still well below night one. So hopefully, as we get get into more of these shows next weekend. Because uh, we got a lot of time off here before the next show. Um, you know, hopefully at that point, things will start picking up. Because it hasn't been a great tournament so far, honestly. Uh, 
Here are your DO standings after night four. The A block, Hiroshima all alone on the top. He's 3-0 and with six points. Uh, Chris Brooks is 3-2 and with six points. Uh, Yuki Sakaguchi is 2-1. and uh, Wait, how the fuck is Brooks 3-2? and <laughs> Did he really? I guess he wrestled four matches on top of getting his bye win. I don't know. Maybe I have that wrong. Maybe he's 3-1. and Anyway, it doesn't really matter. He's, I have him down 3-2 at six points. Uh, Yukio Sakaguchi, the, 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 the Daisuke Sasaki thing really screwed up the A block because all these guys have an extra win except for Takashita. Uh, Yukio Sakaguchi is 2-1 and one with four points. Akito and Mao are both 2-2 two and two with four points. And then Konosuke Takashita is 1-2 and two with two points. And then uh, Sasaki will finish his tournament 1-5 and five with two points. The B block, you have Tetsuya Endo, 3-0-1 for seven points. Uh, Katsusada Higuchi right behind him, 2-1-1 one, one for 5 points. Uh, we have Junakiyama and Soma Takao, both 2-1-1 one, one for 4 points. And then Yuki Ueno at 1-2 for 2 points. Makoto Oishi, 1-3 for 2 points. And Shuma Katsumata, 0-3, oh, 0 points. Uh, so Night 5 is from Tokyo Narimasu Act Hall. It is a free show, so, uh, you know, another free show here for the for the fans to attend. Uh, it's not until Friday, December 4th, so you got like, you know, five days off here. They're only doing weekend shows, basically. Um, Akito is the guy who's supposed to fight Daisuke Sasaki, so he has a night off, and the scheduled night off is Chris Brooks from A Block and Tetsuya Endo from B Block. Uh, match number one here is Don Shokudino and Akito versus Mizuki Watase and Hideki Okatani. Uh, the A Block, and this these, by the way, are not the, the final order yet. They don't have that up yet, so... Don't know what the actual order will be. But the A block is Takashita versus Mao. Uh, interesting to see if they keep the Takashita arm injury storyline going or if they have him beat Mao here. It could be like a big, big win for Mao if uh, they want to go that route. But uh, something tells me Takashita will get back on track here and, you know, at least be relevant towards the end of the tournament. I don't know. Do you disagree? Yeah, I'm not I'm not really sure. Like, it could go either way. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm really, I really don't know what they're going with the Takashita angle right now i'm curious if it actually ends up being him joining damnation but yeah i doubt it i doubt we'll it see. Too. uh match three or well i should stop saying match three because we don't know the order the next a block match hiroshima versus yukio sakaguchi uh hiroshima still undefeated here i kind of think sakaguchi's gonna win and give him his first loss i could be wrong but just a feeling i have I don't yeah, know. i'm not sure but i, I, I could see yukio <laughs> beating him but it's I'm not sure. Like some of these some of some of these matches are really still up in the air right now. Uh match four in the, or the B block, Katsada Higuchi versus Shuma Katsumbada. Uh Shuma still has zero points, but I think Higuchi is gonna beat him. I don't see uh Shuma getting his first win on Higuchi. Yeah, I think Shuma's just gonna eat a lot of pins, unfortunately. Uh then we got Soma Takao and Junak Yama, both at four points. I think June is gonna be in the in the mix here at the end, so I think June's gonna win. Yeah, I definitely think June's probably going to win this one. And then Makoto Oishi versus Yuki Ueno. Uh, Oishi's are only at two points. Ueno already has four. I could see, I could see uh, Ueno winning this, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I could see. I think I could see Oishi winning too. So. Yeah, I think Ueno's going to win this because he's well, he's like two and two right now. So yeah. I'd probably get him another win, but I could, it wouldn't surprise me if Oishi won either. Oh, maybe he's only... Actually, no, I think he's only one and two. But I don't know. I actually think he's only one, two, or two points. I think I wrote that wrong. But anyway, 
uh, <laughs> it's hard with all these like different guys on different, uh, you know, like different. Some of them had a buy already. Some of them have it, you know. But anyway, yeah. But I think Atlanta's at one and two, so maybe Atlanta will win that actually. But I guess we'll have to wait and see. So that will be covered on the Patreon. I guess so you can sign up at Patreon.com/slash Wrestling Omakase. Only five bucks, and we'll be covering that on Friday with a Patreon exclusive double header uh, with myself and VOW contributor Jeff Andrews, along with the World Tag League show that day. So definitely check that out. All right. So before we wrap things up here, we, I did put out a call for questions. I haven't done that in a million years. See if anyone had any questions on uh, those three shows. So let's see here. Uh, first of all, from the Super Jcast uh, Discord server. Uh, okay, Velke Braca says he wants to know, why do you always have bad takes, TJ? What do you say? I think I have good takes. He's just um, a fan of bad, or not, I don't want to say bad people, but he's... <laughs> He's just mad because I was happy when Tommy won and beat Mayu for the title. Yeah. Among other things, because I, I remember he was very upset when Higuchi lost the sword back to Endo, and I was just rubbing it in his face the entire time. <laughs> there you go. Uh, up next, we have Michael CC. How many bandanas should Robbie Eagles be wearing? That's a that's a question for the ages. Uh, I'm going to say at least 12 bandanas. I think he should make his next gear out of bandanas, just only bandanas. <laughs> only bandanas. Only bandana gear. Yeah. His uh, entrance gear makes him look like such a dork. <laughs> yeah, kind of. I did love uh, Hiromu kind of taunting him with like the eyepiece thing while yeah. he was up on the corner pad. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Uh, I want to confirm, by the way, Oino does only have two points. Double check this to make sure. So there you go. I did write down four by accident. Uh, the last question here on the, well, from the. Uh, Discord server, M. Gallup says, uh, this is actually a, this is a, a good question that I'm excited to go through here. He says, Techers are the best champions since blank. Now, the be- best tag champions, I should say. I'm assuming we're only keeping this to heavyweight tag titles, uh, and we have to go through the reigns here. Basically, the easiest way to do it is to go back through the tag title reigns and try to find a reign that is better than the Techers. So I'm going to read them out pretty rapid fire, and you can tell me if you think any of these are better than the Dangerous Techers reign so far. Just including their tag title reign and their, uh, you know, their World Tag League stuff so far. Just I think they've been incredible. Uh, I don't know if you agree or not, but let's see. Let's see what if we think any of these are better. Uh, Golden Ace. Uh, no, our attackers <laughs> are better. Golden Ace well, because like, they were it was a good reign, but it was like two seconds really with with the COVID. Yeah, that's the problem. Like they they were had good matches, but they were having good matches with Techers and. Like you said, it didn't last long, so yeah, they, it's kind of hard to zero, judge it. Zero defenses, so 142 days with zero defenses because of COVID. Uh, GOD's sixth reign, 20 days, zero defenses. No. Tiger's definitely better than that. <laughs> Finjuice, uh, 28 days, zero defenses. No. <laughs> I had high hopes for that reign, but they kind of just ended that real quickly. But So, yeah, no, Tiger's better. Uh, Gorillas of Destiny, their fifth reign. 315 days, seven defenses uh, from February 2019 to January 2020. I could not tell you a single fuck of one of those off the top of my head. It's a big no from me, dog. I, I remember they beat the Bucks for the titles, but that's about all I remember. No, no, no. This is the reign where they Wait, beat. Just... This is the reign where they beat Evil and Sonata at Honor Rising in 2019. Oh, oh, right, yeah, because that was going to be like the MSG match, and then they yeah. took it off Evil and Sonata right before. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's a no. Uh, Lij Evilson on his second reign, fifty days, one defense, no. Yeah, no. Uh, God's fourth reign, ninety-six days, no defenses, no. 
I don't even remember that. <laughs> well, that's the one know. where they beat the Young Bucks, but they had no defenses. Despite holding oh, the title yeah. for over three months. So they beat the Young Bucks of Fighting Spirit Unleashed. Which I remember that, that was probably the best uh, Young Bucks GOD match for sure. If they had more than one. I mean, that match is pretty good. But, uh, yeah, it wasn't a bad match. Yeah. That's probably why I remember it, actually. But, <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you, that rain, that rain I, don't, I try and block 2018 New Japan from my mind as yeah, much as possible. it was pretty bad. Uh, Evil and Sonata. Rain number one, 156 days, two defenses. No. I mean, if this was a good rain, but no. This is the original one they won at Wrestle Kingdom 12. Yeah, no. Yeah, it was definitely a good rain, but attackers are definitely on a better roll so far. Uh, KES, third rain, 102 days in 2017. Hell no. They held the belt for that long, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, but definitely no, but I did not think they held it for that long. One defense. One defense. Uh, War Machine, 85 days, their second reign, 85 days, three defenses. I think all of them were a fucking three-way with G.O.D. and K.S. when they kept running that match over and over again. That is a no. <laughs> oh, that, oh, God, that was a three-way. Uh, yeah, that's the end of the yeah, that's definitely no. That, that rain wasn't so bad. God, well, even them because I like War Machine, but it's like no. God, third rain, twenty days, no defenses. Hell no. Yeah, I say definitely no. War Machine rain one, sixty three days, one defense, April twenty seventeen. No. Yeah, I say same. So no. <laughs> Ten cozy sixth rain uh, from March twenty seventeen, uh, thirty four days, no defenses. No. I forgot they held the belts that recently. <laughs> yeah, that was when, uh, yeah. when unfortunately, Homa broke his neck and they had to replace Homa and Makabe. But yeah, in a previous yeah, schedule. Yeah, definitely, uh, Ishii and Yano, their first reign, 61 days, two defenses. Uh, that's another no. Yeah, definitely uh, no. G.O.D., 86 days, one defense. No. Yeah, no. Ray 2. <laughs> Briscoe Brothers, 113 days, two defenses. They won the belts at Dominion 2016. That will be a no for me. I don't even remember anything about that rain, except I guess they fought the Young Bucks while they were still juniors, I guess. but I'm trying to remember if I, that was even during my time or not. Like, I remember them having the belts, so I must have seen something, but yeah, it's a no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm getting tired of this game already, but let me see if I can get through it. Let's find anything here. Uh, G.O.D.'s first rain, no. G.B.H., Maccabi and Helmet's first rain, No. These are all one defense, by the way. Bullet Club, Gals and Anderson's third reign. 183 days with one defense. Excuse me? What? Uh, six months and you got one fucking defense? From July 2015 to January 2016? I kind of want to know what the one defense is now. So let's fire up Cage Match and see if we can find it. Because now, what is the one glorious defense that these motherfuckers had during this six-month reign? Uh, and the, it's a no, by the way, of course. But uh, let's see here. IWGP Tag Team Champions, 183 days. Their one defense was against Tenkoji at Destruction in Okayama. I'm sure it was thrilling. 13 minutes. So they made... That's 13 more minutes than you or I defended the titles. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's a no. Uh, the Kingdom, Matt David and Michael Bennett. Oh 91 days, no defenses. That's a no. Uh, Gals and Anderson in their second reign, 53 days, no defenses. No. Goto and Shibata, 38 days, no defenses. I remember being fucking furious when they lost those belts right back to Gals and Anderson the following month at New Beginning in Osaka. They won them at Wrestle Kingdom 9 after Gals and Anderson had them for 365 days exactly 
uh, made six defenses, probably zero of which were good. Let me just look through this because I'm curious. Because uh, that rain's going to be a no too, probably. But let's just say uh, you've got to, have to go really far back to find it. Yeah, wow. They they faced the Killer Elite Squad, Goto and Shibata. I remember liking that moment actually. Invasion Attack 2014. Uh, Captain Taiwan, Captain New Japan at a Taiwan show, and Hiroki Goto. Nine and a half minutes. What a defense. Uh, the Briscoes in the U.S. Tanahashi and Makabe at Dominion, Okada and Yoshihashi at Destruction in Kobe, and then they lost the belts. So yeah, uh, no. So that's no for both those reigns. Uh, then KES, uh, Power Struggle, 56 days, no defenses. Tenkozi, uh, May 2013, 190 days, two defenses. Again, what what was the problem with scheduling tag title defenses? I don't understand. Like, over six months, you had two defenses. Uh, KES, 207 days, five defenses. Uh, that might be the first contender. That was the KES reign from October 2012 to May 2013. I Let me look through these matches. I don't think they probably had a pretty good reign. But probably not as good as Dangerous Techers. Let's just see, though. Uh, Tenkoji, yeah, that was okay. Goto and Anderson, I remember liking that. Russell Kingdom. Uh, Tenkoji again. Nakamura and Ishii, that was probably good, but I don't remember it. And they made a defense on a, a show in Houston. Okay. Oh, that's when they won the NWA tag titles while they were still IWGP tag champions. But yeah, uh, that not probably not as good as the Techers, but that's probably the first like legitimate contender. Uh, yeah, you might have to go really far back. I mean, the last, you know, the, before that is Tenkozi again, their fourth reign, 78 days. Before that is Izuka and Yano for 48 days. Tenkozi again, 120 days. And then bad intentions, Bernard and Anderson, 564 days, 10 defenses. Uh, I would say they are at least the best champions since bad intentions, June 2010. <laughs> that might be the answer. And I would have not seen enough of that reign to tell you if, uh, you know, this was better or that was better. People did like a lot of those tag title matches. Uh, so that might be your answer. I mean, that was certainly a very memorable reign, both from a time and defense standpoint. I think it has a. I think it has both records, but let me say, for like a single reign. Uh, that sounds about right. Yeah, let's just. Uh, I mean, can check that in two seconds. So for days, for days it has a record by a lot. The second best is uh, Cho Ten's fourth reign in two thousand two, which is four hundred forty six days. And defenses, it also has a record by a lot. Uh, Cho Ten had seven defenses in that same reign. And the G.O.D., in February, starting in February 2019, had seven defenses as well. So, yeah, it is the best tag title reign since at least Bad Intentions in 2010, I think. Because, man, these belts... I mean, Dangerous Techers have been awesome, but also, man, these belts have sucked. <laughs> that is... You know, it's it's both, for sure. So Yeah, I'll say it's been a struggle for this uh, tag division <laughs> in New Japan, to say the least. Yeah. It's kind of on the, the upward trajectory right now. At least we'll see how long that lasts. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, let's see. I know that we got at least one Twitter question, and then we can wrap it up here. Uh, the Twitter question in, in okay, it was from, uh, let's say, Renegade, at Renegade Dugongs. If you were a wrestler and broke your neck and had to recover for over a year, when you came back, would you A, gradually ease your way back into, into it like a normal person, or B, just immediately become the best wrestler in the world again? Uh, wonder who he's referring to here. Obviously, Homa. But, um, oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes. Um, you ever see that Taichi Kanemaru like uh, 
you know that that Taichi Kanemaru video where they do the New Japan draft, you know the the collection card game, and they're just owning everybody basically. No, I haven't. Seen you should. That. It's highly recommended. But yeah, when they when they draft, he so Taichi drafts Hiromu and uh, Hanma like in the same little draft, and he goes, maybe I should make a faction of people with uh, with weak necks. <laughs> and it was like, wow, <laughs> just just putting it out there, I guess. But yeah, so there you go. Uh, the answer is obviously B. So, if you're Hiromu Takahashi. Yeah, I'll say, if, if I was a wrestler, I would take it gradually, but I'm not Hiromu, so. <laughs> like, Hiromu, like, I, I can't believe how, like, quickly he's come back to form. Like, pretty much came back at the Wrestle Kingdom and looked the same as he always did. Yeah, he's pretty crazy. All right, so that will do it then. Uh, why don't you go ahead and get your plugs in here, TJ? As John said at the beginning of the show, I'm, I host a podcast, the uh, One Wrestling Podcast, uh, similar format to Omakase. We kind of just pick random pro shows and discuss them each week. We talk a little bit of everything, though. Like We talk a little bit of Western stuff, too. Like we watch, I'm one of the people that watches AEW every week, so I kind of talk about that usually. And then it's other random stuff I watch. But uh, this coming week should pop up. We're recording it tomorrow, so it should be up on your feeds if you check it out. Uh, November 30th. Uh, this week, we're still doing uh, tournament coverage, so if you didn't get enough of me talking about tournaments here, you can listen to me and my uh, co-host, Caitlin, talk about the uh, DO and Best Super Juniors and hopefully Real World Tag League because the latest night just happened today, but it's VOD, so we'll see when it gets uploaded. But yeah, that's the one, the I, main just, top... that's the one I haven't been covering at all because I just, I know, three is my limit, but uh, I've heard it's been good. Yeah, it's been pretty good overall. Like Nothing like stand out really yet but it's been enjoyable so far. and But the main topic is going to be the Dragon Gates uh, with Gate of Origin, I think, was the one that just happened on Saturday. Yeah, I think so. So, yeah, we'll talk about that and th- just news and, and gen- stuff like that in general. So if that kind of if that interests you, check it out. It's, uh, like I said, One Wrestling Pod, or One Wrestling Podcast. The Twitter is at One Wrestling Pod. And then if you want to follow me for all my ramblings on Twitter, you can do it so at uh, ASPIR underscore. All right, there you go. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, always at Russell Omakase. Wrestling would not fit. Uh, we'll be back next week here on the free feed with another show covering the world. Um, it's a world tag league or best super juniors, actually. Uh, it's, world, oh, it's both. Uh, so next week, next Sunday, we will cover the uh, world tag league and best of super junior double night nine, the second double night they're doing after the first night, which is the last round robin night for both of them uh and then we'll also be covering ddt do night six so i have a guest sort of lined up for that but it's tentative so don't want to announce it yet until she confirms with me that she could do it but uh that'll be if if not her i'll get somebody i always find somebody so that'll be our next free episode but don't forget patreon.com slash wrestling omakase we got tons of stuff coming up this week on the patreon uh you know world tag league night seven tomorrow monday uh, Best of Super Junior Night 7 Wednesday, another double header with me and Jeff Andrews covering World Tag League Night 8 and DO Night 5, and then Saturday, Best of Super Juniors Night 8. So, so much tournament stuff coming up this week on the Patreon. If you can't get enough of paid tournament coverage, uh, you know, we'll be doing all that. So, that, and we also do like a little bit of Japanese geography with these uh, more obscure venues and also get into like histories at the venues and stuff which there's not much a point doing for cork and hall but it's fun to do for like some of these obscure venues they run during this tour so we'll talk the beppu beacon plaza uh the sonorita sendai 
and the Fukuoka International Center and all that stuff. So that'll be coming up on the Omakase Patreon. Uh, In the meantime, thank you as always for listening, and we will see you next time.